Hey, Sam. Yeah, Don? What does ego stand for? Are you talking about waffles? <laughs> Not Lego of my ego. <laughs> Edging God out? Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Don, what's been going on? I was reading the book, Not God. It's a history of early AA with my sponsor this past week. And I read that in his correspondence, Bill W. often refers to his majesty, the baby. Hey, that's a Sigmund Freud term that was coined in the 30s. Uh, is it really? Well, he used yeah. it all the time in his letters and such. He was mostly talking about infantile grandiosity in his life. But I've used the expression king baby all the time to describe my childishness. It fits. Me, 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 want, want, want. I used to have a picture of a crying baby where I just cut out the face. So it was this oval of just this baby going, screaming at the top of its lungs. And I've got that in my truck in the back behind my head. So that when I look in the rear view mirror, I see the <laughs> baby there. Don, you have a twisted mind to come up with that, putting it in your truck. I mean, that's fantastic. Well, I, you know, it was a reminder driving around that everything's not going to go my way. <laughs> and it doesn't, does it? <laughs> you know, I was just in a meeting recently where we, uh, we got to talking about childishness. The person who led the meeting read a passage out of the 12 and 12. One of the statements just really got the whole meeting talking about how our childishness has shown up over the years and changed. Uh -huh. um, it says, quote, we had failed to see that though adult in years, we were still behaving childishly, end quote. And that's from page 115 in the 12 and 12. And a childish quality that I've had since childhood is I'm a quitter. Yeah. I don't finish things. It, by nature, I just, I would quit. I used to say, I thought that one of the first things that I ever finished was working the 12 steps with my sponsor the first time. <laughs> but what I shared about in this meeting was how that has changed for me over time. I'm not the quitter that I was, even though it's still kind of wired in me to think it, to want to quit. Yeah. Our character defects don't just go away once we yeah. the steps. I but sure. I'm mindful about it today. Mm -hmm. But I also noted there was some rigidity in not allowing myself to quit now and mm -hmm. holding myself in a tough situation. So recently I tried on being in a chorus. I have not sung choral music since decades ago. I had this interest of, of trying it. So I joined this chorus and just to put it short, I hate it. <laughs> you hate I don't what? hate the chorus. I don't, you know, I love, I love that they're hearing it. I don't like trying to learn and sing that type of music. Mm -hmm. And I had hoped that I would. And that's one of the cool things about my recovery is I get to try things on. But there was a concert scheduled for three months after I joined the chorus. And I was holding myself to this commitment that, yes, I signed up for this for recreation and, and enjoyment, but 
I have to do this and I have to stick this out and do this concert. And I was talking with a trusted friend about this and they were like, why, why do you have to do that? And it was because of this sense of, I can't quit it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something that I joined for enjoyment purposes. And I found out that I didn't want to do it. And it's okay for me, especially early in the process. It's not like the concerts next week. Right. And so it was a reasonable thing for me to say, I tried this on. It doesn't fit. I do not have to stay with it. So there's a conflict there, it seems to me, between you don't want to be acting out of your character defects. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you don't want to quit. On the other hand, you want to be true to yourself just because you've said you're going to do something once and you found you don't like it. If you're not hurting anyone else, you to be true to yourself, you need needed to quit. That's right. And I did it like an adult. I contacted the people that I needed to contact and told them what was up and thank you for the opportunity. I'm really glad that this chorus is a part of the culture here. And I look forward to seeing you in concert. You didn't just sulk off. <laughs> And disappear into your hole. Yeah, I didn't just disappear on him. I didn't ghost. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this thing that is a character defect of quitting, that's when my instincts are out of balance. Yeah, quitting isn't always your character defect. Bingo. Yeah, sounds good. Well, today we have Frank B, who's been sober 44 years. We'll chat with Frank a bit, and then we're going to have an Ask the Old Timer question from Will. And, of course, we'll wrap up with one of our hilarious knee-slapping, side-splitting, ludicrous wits-in jokes. Actually, ludicrous is the most honest adjective yet for these sober (laughs) dad jokes. Where do you get these, Don? Well, we don't make them up. They're in the back of every issue of the Grapevine magazine. Oh! I am Frank. I'm an alcoholic from Palm Springs, California. My home group is the Sunny Dunes Fifth Tradition. Hi, Frank. Do you meet out on the dunes? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's a funny name, isn't it? Yes, I like it. It's just the name of a street where the clubhouse used to be. So it's even funnier than you had imagined (laughs) because we're not on Sunny Dunes anymore. And since then, it's been in two other places. Wow, yeah, the meetings do move around, don't they? Yep. It's kind of cool when they hold on to a little bit of history like that, though. Yeah, I like it. Frankie, so what was going on with you 44 years ago that made you decide to quit drinking and join AA? Probably the easiest way to describe it is 45 and 46 years ago, I was trying to stop drinking every day. Mm-hmm. And each and every day, I would say, okay, this is the day. But somehow or other, I was doing that all from my own power. Somehow or other, sobriety never occurred. Trying to switch drinks, I won't even get started with that one. Just read (laughs) odd infinitum paragraph. I tried them all. One of the funniest ones was when I went to an attorney to tell him my situation because I had another drunk driving and he listened to everything I had to say. It was a long time ago, so the law was different. And he said, I can only get you off 
so many times, would you consider smoking pot? <laughs> and I was highly insulted. I said, I didn't come here and have to spend all this money to be advised by you which drug I should be using. And I, that was back before pot was a respectable drug, right? I'm doing it, well, air quotes here too. <laughs> I, I didn't even care. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do and not have any consequences. Yeah. But it got to the point where at the end, I was trying to figure this out. It just didn't seem to be an answer. And I would look in the mirror thinking if I looked that way, maybe I could figure out some way to stop. And it it never quite worked out, just never worked out. So finally, I asked a friend if there's anybody she knew that was uh, knew anything about alcoholism. I said, I just don't know what to do. About that time, I said, for some reason in my dining room, I just stopped and said, God, please help me. And those two together put me in touch with somebody. So that's how I got started in AA. And interestingly enough, it was on, well, interesting to me anyway, <laughs> June 10, 1977 is the day I sobered up. And four or five years later, I was talking about that. And somebody came up to me and said, you sobered up on the birthday of AA. June oh, wow. 10th was Dr. Bob's birthday. You were really smart. <laughs> <laughs> that was and, the plan, wasn't it? Nice timing. I, oh, <laughs> oh, Sam, you caught it right away. I said to this lady, smart had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but in my view, one of the great miracles of humankind, that this kind of an organization could come into existence and look all these years later, be in many ways as effective as ever in a sure. culture that defies it. So uh, it, I'm happy to tell about my AA birthday because it's a lot more than about me. What's changed in AA? So like hearing this that long ago, AA must have been really different. Was it different? The principles for recovery, I think, are the same till today. But some of the things that were different were the insurance that paid for recovery places since AA was determined to be an official disease, mm -hmm. was not in effect at that time. So it's not that there were no place, everybody knows Hospital and Hazelden and a few others, but the way we look at it today is not, is there any place to go? For most people, it's pick a place. Do you have mm -hmm. any money? Do you have insurance? And I don't know if that's good or bad. It's just different. Definitely different. I want to hear some about when you got sober. One of the things that's interesting to me, you read about Dr. Bob and he made amends immediately. It was one of the first things he did to get sober. One of the ways that I've, my sponsors, kind of the school that I came into AA in was to read through the big book. And when you get to step four, you work step four. And then you make amends when you get to making. Um, so it's a pro it's a long drawn out processing that don't really get to the point that you're making amends to people can be six months or so. Sometimes I wonder if that's the best way. But in the early days, from what I've read, 
in AA, they got people to all the way through doing their inventory to making amends right away. What was it like for you when you came in? What was the speed of working the steps? I think the answer is in working with others. In the chapter, working with others, Bill Wilson says in one paragraph, here is what you should never do. That could be either work them all right away within the first 48 hours or in the next paragraph, Bill Wilson says, now, if this situation, here's what you must do, and it's exactly the opposite of what he said in the paragraph ahead. So, of course, that isn't what you asked me, but uh, I- Well, it it is in a way. Well, it, it is, because they're both closed truths. And what Bill Wilson is saying is, could there be an open truth that would sort of arch over both of these closed truths? So never keep people in your home more than three days. Never put a person out if they're making a certain kind of progress. I think it has to do with something bigger. has to do with whether or not when we say, all these bad people are the reason that I am really down here where I am. Poor me. Poor me. We know what comes next. Poor Poor me. me. drink. Well. If that isn't the way to go, then what is? Can I be like a detective looking within me with an insane curiosity why I would do certain behavior over and over? Well, we're talking about steps four through nine. So whether we do them right away, are they likely to be an overarching truth for us? Or are we developing a skill which will serve us well for the rest of our lives? I've had a lot of people who want to do fourth step right away. And I'll say, okay, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's sit down and tell me something that you really resent that's just driving you batty and you want to just smash this person. So, okay, well, then we go through the three columns that are in the book. And then most of us add a column saying, Did you have any part in this? Were you alive and present for this? Sometimes that's only, that's the case. I was there. Well, well, and sometimes I didn't remember I was there. (laughs) This makes it harder. So then in the last column, I usually say, you're sober today. Would you have the same reaction or response today as you did then? And often people say, wow, you know, just the other day, I got so angry at somebody, I acted just like I was drunk. Well, then, you know, I get to say, well, why? Because when my jets get going, I don't hear anything. I'm not able to think anything. I can't make any kind of decision. Well, what could you ever do about that then? Well, maybe I can catch it before it takes off, before the rocket takes off. Well, does Bill Wilson say anything about that in the book? Yes, he says, maybe you could pause. And after you pause, you could say, let me respond to what's happening instead of react. Yeah, and then you can be rocketed into what he likes to call the fourth dimension. (laughs) And then you can rocket into the fourth dimension (laughs) instead of into jail. Yes. (laughs) Great way to put it. (laughs) 
Frank, what does so when you were working the steps, what was something that that you resisted doing? And then once you did it, you found it really made a lot of sense and has worked. I mean, you're talking about using the steps the rest of your life as we do. Absolutely. I resisted four through nine. Four through and nine. <laughs> Eleven. I did. Uh, I, when I first sobered up, I went to a group in Los Angeles. Not that they recommended those steps, but they were so heavy on service that service became the thing. Twelve stepping with with a with my sponsor was something we did quite often. He would call and say, "Go to the bottom of your steps. I I need you." I wouldn't even know what it was we were going to do. And I just learned to do it. And Bill Wilson mentions that a lot of people two-step. He's talking about one and 12, I think. Mm. So if you two-step, you can go a great deal into feeling better just by doing things that are good that never would have occurred to me to do unless I was in a group that kept doing things together. So then eventually doing the good needed something else to make it work better might have been step 11. They used to say, work any step with a one in it until you can do something better. And of course, it was four through nine that were very hard for me because I just couldn't, I, I could understand that there was something very, very wrong with me. But the last place I wanted to look was within. It does take a lot of fortitude and willingness to get to that place and, and do the work. Because those middle steps, four through nine, really do produce a change in us. I'm glad you did them, Frank. And I, uh, I have <laughs> well, a feeling. I, I forgot to say I eventually did them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, okay. So I did make an assumption there. That. <laughs> oh, man. It's time for Ask the Old Timer. Got a question for an old timer? Call in and record it at 212-870-3418 or email it to podcast at aagrapevine.org. You can find these and more at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. And now let's ask the old timer. I'm Will. I'm an alcoholic from Greensboro, North Carolina. So I guess my question would be, are, is AA and NA related at all? And can you be in both? Yes, AA and NA are related. We can see that AA, after it started, was so valuable to people that several things sort of were able to spin off from AA. Some using the AA Big Book and the AA Steps verbatim. Others using the principles, not necessarily verbatim. So I discovered this when a guy that I was sponsoring was primarily a cocaine addict. He asked me to sponsor him. I said, I'd be happy to help you, but what I know is AA. And he said, well, I'm going to AA. And it's so different than NA, but they both feel good to me. Can, can't you just help me? So I said, well, why don't I go to a meeting with you? So since I used some drugs as well as drank, I identified as an addict and I went to the meeting. So all, with all those differences, you go to the meeting and by the time the meeting's over, you can say to yourself, these people trust God. They're willing to clean out their own place. 
And here they are with each other, giving it away for free. Those things cross. And today, whether you go to OA or Al-Anon, for instance, that use the book that AA uses, and then some other, NA has their, has their own book. But I think it's all comes from the same well of truth and principle. Thank you, Frank. In a lot of locations where there might be a meeting of CA, Cocaine Anonymous, or CMA, Crystal Meth Anonymous, there might be one or two meetings a week. You know, I was told when I came into AA, 90 meetings in 90 days. It's kind of hard to do something like that if the fellowship that is not AA doesn't have that many meetings. And so I've experienced people who are in other programs also going to AA just because there's not enough opportunity for the program that they are most identifying with to feed them during the week. Another thing that saying that word feed absolutely brought to mind was I was told years ago, very simply, go where you are fed. Yeah, well, I, I, I like that. You know, my experience, I've never been to an NA meeting. I quit all other drugs I was using but I could not quit drinking. So alcohol was the drug that would not release me. And that's why I came to AA. It really speaks to me. I was chairing a meeting when I was relatively new. I was cleaning up afterwards. And one guy new stayed afterwards to talk. And we talked for a while. He helped me clean up. And he said, but you know, I really don't care about drinking right now. I'm afraid I'm going to leave here and go get some crack and I can't stand it. That was when it hit me. I've never done crack. The only thing I could say was don't do that. I know that what happens is the identification helped me when I got sober. And if I was talking to someone who could like feel what I was feeling and I realized I wish he was at an NA meeting I'll bet he'd have 15 people who could be with him and support him through this. You know, I did the best I could. So I think that there's a place for all of these. And as far as the question of, can you be in both? Yes. If you're, I can't speak for NA, but for AA, I know that you're perfectly welcome as long as you can identify as an alcoholic. I think there's two aspects to it. One is the group and a person's willingness to come into the group and learn principles that seem to be the same. When a person takes on the privilege of sponsorship, I think there's a different responsibility because when we compare hallucinogens and alcohol and opioids, everybody's talking about this as their craving. The nature of the craving the amount of time after a person gets sober that the craving persists, whether the craving goes down right after usage or up, are all things that make it really essential that the person who's a primary helper has some understanding of that. Uh, I got a call from a woman friend of mine who runs a place in LA that helps so many people. And she said, w would you talk to a, somebody for me. I said, well, I don't know how to talk to this person. It was, a, it was a crystal meth addict. She said, I want you to help them with these steps. 
we'll take care of the rest here. So I know another meeting in LA where if people come in and they're not primarily alcoholics, they have in the vestibule people to show them where other meetings are that might be helpful to them. And they suggest that they go. I wouldn't think that way, but if it's kind and if it's compassionate and true, maybe for some people that is the right answer. But I just try to keep my second step mind open that I never refuse anybody and I never try to help anybody about something I have no idea about. That's a really great way to put that. Thank you, Frank. I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to know I, much more. I wish I could have <laughs> talked to you 25 years ago. I knew everything. <laughs> Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been fantastic to get to know you a bit. Thanks, Frank. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm here to buy a sofa. Excellent. Our new line of sofas will seat five people with no problems. I don't know five people with no problems. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.
Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.